Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by Stewart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Also brought to you by Idea Bench, makers of hot rod inspired pedal boards and pedal board accessories at ideabench.com. Microphones for Inside the Gillivers are brought to you by Road Microphones. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Bra. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 19 of Inside the Gillivers. As always, where we talk everything from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure tonight to welcome tonight's guest. You recognize him possibly from Better Call Saul as Ernesto, or Ernie for those that are closer to him, actor John Christian Love. My friend, how are you? I am excellent. That's good, man. That's good. Nice to Wonderful. have you here. That's Magnificent. <laughs> man, so much positivity right off the start of the show. If that's the way it's going to go for the rest of the evening, I think we're in, all of us are in for a treat. We need more positive energy as we wind out 2020. Yes, I am so ready for 2021. You know what? So ready for it. Me too. And I, I was hearing on the radio that some people, oh. are predicting, some people are predicting it could be even worse. I can't see that being possible, so fingers crossed. You know, I, I think we're going to have some vaccines for everybody across the world coming early in the new year, and, and we can get out there and start working in the in the real world and maybe seeing some concerts again. And, you know, people like yourself that want to get back to working behind the camera, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, everywhere in between, you know, it's going to be a welcome thing for sure. Or this is George Orwell, and it's 1984. <laughs> I know, right? We just don't know. It's crazy. Well, we're going to have a lot of great questions for you throughout the evening, especially from our viewers here in in the live chat. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I'm going to go just say hi to a bunch of them and let you know who's in the chat right now. We have uh, Michelle DiMatisse is in here right now. Karina is here. Uh, Let me see. I'm Michelle. Ursula Singleton. Lisa Love. Uh, And I hope I don't skip anybody. Uh, Let me see here. Uh, I know I scrolled a little too far and I didn't get everybody earlier there. Let me see who else we got jumping in. Uh, Lisa is here. We've got some fan questions right off the top as well, too. Arctic Sakai is here. Very, very nice. Marion Art is here as well, too. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Marion. Uh, Jennifer Stevens, nice to see you. Mrs. Wexler, she did that cute uh, car- 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 caricature of you today, which is great. Uh, Lori Yu is here. Oh, thank you. Hey, this is great. My friend Sixstream Brian from Canada, he's here as well, too. Musician and a YouTuber. It's good to see you, Brian. Uh, Kay is Hello. here. Uh, let me see who else we might be missing here. Daniel is here. Ernie, Price of Reasons here. All right, Josh Gordon. All right, so I'm going to leave it off there for a second, but there's a couple of fan questions right off the top. Uh, one is from Karina. She's one of our YouTube members. Uh, we have a membership option on the okay. channel. People can join. She has a good question. She says, how many takes or times did, did you have to sing that Bonnie Tyler song, Totally Eclipse of the Heart for the Karaoke Song, in the episode Winner? I heard they filmed you doing the whole song. Uh, did you Do you laugh every time you hear that song now? You know, actually, I do laugh. <laughs> um, uh, we filmed. <laughs> um, we filmed that episode. I mean, not an episode. We filmed that scene. Uh, I want to say we did it three times, but one time in its entirety, and it was like this time we're going through the whole song. So have fun, do whatever you want. And here I am, because I'm always nervous that I'm doing a bad job. I think it's just, I don't know if it's just every actor or just me, but I'm like, oh, man, if I mess up, I'm fired. So i got to get this right, you know. And we do the full song. And after we finish, everybody laughs. 
Um, and it was supposed to make it into the DVD. However, for copyright issues, it oh, didn't yeah. make it, which I was looking forward to seeing the whole song played <laughs> out because it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. They would have had to have licensed that song and, and just to do it for, a, for, a, you know, special features in DVD, probably it had a lot of costs involved, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't think I'll ever see the full thing. Neither will you, unfortunately. No. <laughs> but <laughs> that was a really just a really good name. It was a lot of it was fun. Just so much fun. Uh, a second uh, comment question. This is from Lisa Love. She says, um, uh, first question I have for John would be, I love how Jim, Jimmy and uh, Kim call him Ernie, while all the other stuffy lawyers like Chuck and Howard call him Ernesto. Was that done intentionally? Ernesto! Ernesto! <laughs> totally good. Yeah. That's a good Chuck McGill. Mainly Chuck. Yeah. It, you know, um, Hamlin's called me Ernie before, you know, everybody, I think, respected me enough to call me Ernie with the exception of Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. And it's, I mean, the character of Ernie having to deal with Chuck, I mean, honestly, you know, just grocery shopping alone, you know, was something that we... You know, it's always like when you go to the grocery store, I, I I blame guys sometimes myself. Like I'll go to the grocery store and I got a list of things to get. And it's like, uh-oh, she didn't say if it was non-sweetened or sweetened or it's like, what do you do? And you panic. So imagine imagine what Ernie would be doing in a grocery store when he can't find the exact thing that Chuck wants. You know, there's probably a, a, a panic moment there. Obviously, we don't see those things on camera for the most part, or we never see them. But it'd be a real magic moment to see Ernie have a nervous breakdown in, in aisle three of the supermarket trying to find Chuck's, you know, produce or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. But uh, here's that. You know, that, that, that scene. Oh, go no, ahead. No, no, you, please. You go ahead. Go right ahead. Continue. I was just gonna say that that scene with me and Chuck was I was literally dying laughing inside. Although it didn't make the whole thing, but uh, he was like, "Uh, you know, I'd like a gallon of soy milk, you know." And uh, also, he was just naming all kinds of stuff that he wanted from his grocery list. And I was trying to hold it in and not laugh while we were in the middle of the take because it was funny, and I didn't laugh, Mm -hmm. but. That scene was really funny. Like working with him in person, like when you'd see it in person firsthand, it's just, I, I couldn't ask for anything better, you know? I know. Live it in the moment. You and I were talking off the air before the show started about Michael McKee, and you know, we, I mentioned he was on the show here, um, you know, a few episodes back. And just, you know, the the roles he's had. I mean, such an iconic actor, very, very nice gentleman, down to earth. You know, between between takes, what was he like between takes? Was did you, was there conversations at all or was there not time for that or you know, um start when I first started my career, you know, I, I went the the hard route that, you know, a lot of people go and they start off in background and stuff and I guess that kind of rolled over into, you know, on screen, you know, they like, don't bother the actors, you know, let them. And so I kind of, you know, I'll say hello, goodbye and all that type of stuff. Or if we're in the van and on the way in the shuttle or something and there's a comment or if we're in hair and makeup, then maybe I'll say a little here and there. You know, I've talked to Chuck a little bit because uh, I'm always singing in my trailer. <laughs> And uh, and walking to the shuttle one day, 
I was singing uh, Sam Cooke, and he had some recommendations on songs. And uh, and so, yeah, but other than that, I kind of let everybody have their time. I know their plates is loaded. They get an episode. They got to, we got to film an episode within nine shooting days. And so it's a whole script, and I don't want to, you know, break their concentration. So I t- tend to. Oh, I get know. it. Very respectful. Very respectful. I'll go play hacky sack with the crew. <laughs> no, it's very respectful <laughs> yeah. for sure, and that's the thing too. I've, I've, uh, I've seen some of your um, interviews, like uh, Reddit interviews and things like that as well. You know, you're talking like everyone between a lot of times, especially people like Bob Odenkirk. You know, between scenes, you know, he's conducting some business. He's always very busy on the go, so very mindful of everyone's yeah. time, right? So, and that's probably why you you fit in so well as well too. People yeah. do respect that. For sure. Um, there was a comment here from uh, Bob Rich. Go back, see if I can find it. He says, uh, John really enjoyed being a stand-in uh, for an Bob Rich! Yeah, for uh, a short film you directed. I honestly thought you demonstrated a true natural gift for directing. Directing. Uh, wondering when you'll be directing again. COVID providing, do you, are you, do you have anything uh, on the horizon coming up? You know, I'm, I'm working on some scripts and stuff. Um, because, you know, who knows when I'll act again? I don't know, you know, um, um, and I've had several friends should write your own material and direct it and, you know, and go along those avenues and show other, you know, gifts that you are, you have, you know, um, outside of acting. Cause a lot of people tell me I should do comedy. However, I just tend to not do comedy however i feel like ernesto is kind of comical but i don't know um so to answer your question bob which you're great by the way i love you um uh, soon good god willing soon and very soon good well I'm, i'll keep fingers crossed for you as well too everybody wants to get back to work and i'm looking forward to see what this is going to be for sure too uh, Mrs. Wexler says, question, do you think Ernie will try to become a great lawyer like Kim and Jimmy uh, did once they left the mailroom? Yeah, once you get out of that, fly that, or, you know, escape the nest, so to speak, you know, onto greatness, uh, you know, is Ernie going to wash his hands at that, do you think? And I know this is, we're just guessing here, just, you know, playing a guessing game and uh, hypothesizing, but do you think Ernie will become, want to become a, a professional lawyer? You know, um, I've done a lot of speculation on Ernie. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fans who were like, oh, Ernesto, Gustavo, like, <laughs> you know, what's going on here? And then I, I'm, I'll, as an actor, you always read it to, you know, probably overread things. But when I sung Total Eclipse of the Heart, I'm like, oh, so is Ernesto the dark side? Is this a Total Eclipse of his heart? You know? And uh, I... Uh, there's a website called LPH is hiring. Okay. And there's one position still left to be hired that hasn't been hired yet, which is the executive liaison to Gustavo. And I'm hoping that, you know, <laughs> Ernesto fit those requirements, which I think in the job description he does, but I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something, man? That that's I don't cool. know. I don't th- I think We'll probably play the guessing yeah. game a lot. We'll probably play the guessing game a lot today because so, uh, t- 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 we'll, I don't know. <laughs> you never know, right? We'll we'll have to see. We still got a season. We still have one season to go. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, let me see. There's another good one here as well, too. Yeah. 
Um, was it so. Lisa? No, Lisa. Let me see. Josh. Oh, Josh Gordon. Uh, Josh says, I kind of think Ernie is a phone number is the phone number uh, that uh, um, Saul gave Francesca. That's a possibility. People are thinking Kim Wexler. It could be Ernesto. Who knows? Because obviously, when Breaking Bad was written, you know, we're going back now in time to find out who that n- that number is going to be and meet at a certain time, a certain place, three o'clock, whatever it was. Never know. Could be Ernesto was that on that business card. Could be. Mm-hmm. Is Ernesto going to show up on time if he has Very to? Well. <laughs> could be. Yeah, you never know, right? I was telling you off the air as well, too, and I'll tell our viewers yeah. as well. Um, the other night, uh, a couple of nights back, I was telling Tom Schnauz, uh, you were coming on the show, and he said to uh, to give some love to you, and he said he had a lot of uh, great time working with you on the set. And maybe you can share with our viewers, um, you know, you had some scenes uh, with Tom, and maybe you can, uh, not what Tom, you know, what Tom's working on set, obviously, uh, directing and writing and, and producing and all that good stuff. Was there any memories you have of Tom that were uh, fun to share? Uh, you know, I tend to stay under the radar. I just love being in their presence, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'll just stand around, I'll watch. If I'm not in the scene, then I'll, you know, stand close to Video Village or whatever, or or I'm always like, can I go to set? Can I go, you know? But uh, Tom is, is a, a person in general. Um, I've shared a couple of conversations. Um, out to him. January, which was was really hard, um, and and we needed to raise funeral costs, um, and so I reached out to everybody, and I reached out to Tom. He retweeted my tweet um, asking for donations. He donated. Um, then I turned around a couple of months later and was like, "Hey Tom, there's this NBC directing shadow program, and I need a recommendation letter. Would you be willing?" You know, kind of just went out on a limb, and you know, it was kind of scary because I'm like, "Oh my gosh, these are my employers, and I'm asking them for a recommendation letter." And he wrote a a, a wonderful recommendation letter for me, which I really appreciate. Uh-huh. Uh, I can go on and on. I'm about to like go into tears, but he's always he's always just been very you know supportive and you know it's hard to find that in Hollywood or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. What a nice uh, what a nice guy, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, the whole crew. I mean, from Vince to Peter to to um, Tom to just the cast the crew, like every it's a world class crew. I tell you, it's it's amazing it's, it's you know just to be able to work with these guys and be like yeah i work with them if i never work again yeah this is a pinnacle working with those guys that's the thing know? i think it's probably an easy yeah. gig uh not an easy gig for acting of course acting is never easy for most people but it's an easy gig to become a fan of the show even though you're an employee of the show right yeah for sure uh, a couple more comments coming in here we have absolutely we have 100 yeah, we have Warren Royal jumping in. I was on a call with him today. He was talking some fun stuff. Uh, Warren Royal uh, runs bobbleheads.com and uh, Royal Bobbles. They make these really cool figures here. Check them out. Gustavo, ah, we're just talking about Gustavo. I Mo- want one of those. There you go. They're fantastic. I got. A, I got. Actually, I got. You the, say Royal Bobbles? Yeah. Even got the Hector here. <laughs> ah, that, that is so cool with yeah, the bell. That's right, the original bell with the exact sound sample from from uh, the show. It was nice to see uh, Warren here as well. Uh, here is the or average Joe's jumping in. Teresa Martinez, love your character. She says, and a question from Marion Art says, um, 
What do you think Ernie thinks about Chuck's condition? Does he think it's legit or just goes with it? That's a very good question because, you know, Ernie's looked at Jimmy a few times, especially in the hospital, you know, when, when they had to bring Chuck in and you could tell there's some speculation. Do you think, does Ernie think, I mean, this is, this is your opinion and maybe some of it is, is factual things from what you'd see in scripts and have noted in scripts. Does, does Ernie believe it's um, a, a real conditioner or is it all in his head? I think Ernie is under the radar and just is there to do his job, not ask any questions. If his boss tells him the sky is purple, then he'll look at it and say, ah, the sky is purple. <laughs> um, I think he just, you know, his friendship with Jimmy, you know, was kind of, you know, Jimmy walked out. So they sent him in. He's still close to Jimmy. So it's kind of, you know, he's just stuck in the middle. So he can't be like dismiss it because that's his employer. But at the same time, he's like, I kind of want to dismiss it because Saul is my friend, but I can't do that. So I'm just going to be the neutral party in it. And yeah, boom. yeah, that was here we are. I know that's one of your one of your uh, well, a lot of the fans favorite lines as well, too. You're like, you're so stressed when I say you. I mean, Ernesto was uh, Ernie was stressed. I like, the mailroom. I know. <laughs> Just get me back there. Right. And that's I mean, that's horrible, too, because the mailroom is probably the, mail the bottom of the pit of almost hell, so to speak, you know, for, for anyone aiming to be up at the top yeah. of in the, in the law firm. You know, when you want to go back to the mailroom, then uh, that that doesn't say a lot about the current situation. Um, Lisa Love says, oh, sorry, Andrea is here as well, too. Andrea Nowak is here. Uh, Lisa Love says, uh, Ernie is such a wonderful character and always came across to me as a very kind and compassionate uh, person, especially when dealing with Chuck's condition. So, yeah, for sure. The And I think, I mean, I see a lot of Ernesto, and I mean, I don't know a lot about you personally, but just things I've seen you do and just speaking with you, uh, you know, one-on-one here, I see a lot of similarities. And, and Ernesto is, Ernie is a little shy, and you're a little bit shy yourself as well, too. So, you know, I think there's a lot of you in that character, too. Do you see that? Yeah, there's a lot of me in the character, but then there's not. Okay. I don't know how to describe it because all of my friends and people who watch the show are like, oh, my gosh, I watched that, and that's nothing like you. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well, how how am I? And then I start to ask myself. A question, you know, am I what am I? Am I a narcissist if I'm this way? And you guys are saying I'm completely opposite. So, um, no, I, I just think you know, that's just my take, you know, with life is you know, compassion and, and caring for other people, even when they can't see it to themselves to care enough for you, you know. And I think that's kind of where Ernesto falls. You know, he's given a job and, you know, he tries to do it the best he can under the given circumstances, regardless of Chuck's character and demeanor. You know, it's like, okay, look, I'm going to do my job. And I look, they didn't have Fuji this time. So I got you these instead. I hope that's okay. You know, like he's he's considerate. And I think that's just a character that everybody clings to because that's what the world needs more of is mm-hmm. people who care and are compassionate, especially in, you know, these times that we're in now, it's like, you know, you go to the grocery store and everybody's fighting over toilet paper, and, <laughs> you know, and all these things. And it's like, okay, you know what, here, you take it. Yeah. You can have my toilet paper. It yep. makes you okay. Well, that's, that, that's, you know? that's so, a, a good motto to live um, by for and, sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm a I'm a humble person, I like to believe. And, you know, uh, I'm not rich. As a lot of people think actors are rich and people are like, you got, you know, you've been on TV and all this. I do Instacart from time to time. And I get customers all the time who are like Chuck or worse than Chuck. You know, there'll be an Instacart shouty, you know, I don't want that. Make sure it's this way. Make sure. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing you a service. It's not really much pay that I'm getting for this. But you know what? All right. I'll do it. This is what you want. I'll do my best to accommodate what you want. And that'll be the end of it. And now, what is it? It's just life. What I is, think the what is writers Instacart? do a good job. What is Instacart? Is that like an Uber, like Uber Eats kind of thing? Do you deliver food? You say, or? what is Instacart? Yeah. It, it's like Uber, except I go to the grocery store, like Sprouts or, you know, Sam's or Smith's, Kroger mm-hmm. uh, in some places. And I do the grocery shopping for people. And then I drop the groceries off at their house for them. So the same thing that Ernesto does, going grocery shopping for Chuck, delivering the groceries to Chuck in real life. And, uh, and yeah. You know, it keeps me busy, keeps me grounded, and, mm-hmm. you know, I deal with customers, you know, uh, who want one thing but don't want one thing, but then add 20 other things to the list that wasn't on the list. Yeah. And, you know, don't tip you, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Good customer service skills come in handy in life for sure. I, I, working in any kind of retail or customer service is good uh, education for anyone. You know, I've had to do it many years. I've worked in retail. I've worked in support. I've worked in, yeah, tech support is is the worst because you have people calling you when they're just mad, 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 and they need to direct their anger at the first person that picks up that phone. And uh, I guess the the best way to do it is just kill them with kindness and turn them around as quickly as possible. But technically, I I guess for the fans out there in the area, they could technically have Ernesto bring them apples. Technically, couldn't they? (laughs) They could do it. (laughs) Could. Yep. You know, it's funny though, because sometimes it's always weird. Like when restaurants was open and I would go to restaurants, you know, every now and then I would see somebody sitting at a table in the corner somewhere and they'd be like, as if I don't see them. And they yeah. like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, it's time to go. Y'all ready to go? It's time to go. You know, um, or I'll go somewhere and people just be looking at me and I never understand why people just be staring. I'm like, do they know me or something? Yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe they realize who I am. It's like, oh, they're ne- Ernesto just delivered me apples. Was that really him? Or was it somebody that looked like him? <laughs> it probably was me. That's pretty cool. That's cool. <laughs> but it is, it's good. Except it's- I delivered them Granny Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's good. No, that's good. Here's a, another good comment from a comment slash question from Lisa Love. She says, what are John's theories and predictions about season six that he might be able to share with us? So that's the thing, right? There's the big question, obviously, is, you know, things, what's going to happen to several characters like Lalo, Nacho, uh, Kim, um, Howard, right? And then, you know, there's other characters as well, too. But those, that's the mm-hmm. big forefront thing. Do you, as a fan, take away the fact that you're an actor on the show. As a fan, do you have theories what may happen to some of these characters? You know, I've gone through a lot of fan theories, and I feel like Kim is still in Saul's life. Um, I don't know, but I feel like she's still there somewhere, especially now that we know that, you know, he's done with Cinnabon and 
tired of that life and ready to come back. And I think it'll really wrap up uh, Kim and where she is. And we'll see, you know, something along those lines. As, as far as Nacho, you know, I feel that I feel like he's going to die. Hmm. But, you know, Oh no! I I really don't know anything because I don't want anybody to be like, oh, he said it, and not get in big trouble because something happened. You know, no, I don't know anything. No, of course not. When I get the pages to the script that I'm in, it's only the scenes that I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's never the full script, so I never know what's going to happen. So I'll be the worst person to ask. Um, but hypothetically, um. Insinuating where people are now, I feel like Nacho's gonna die, um, and you know it's gonna, it's gonna go out. It's, I, I I don't know. Maybe he won't. You know, maybe he will get shipped off somewhere. And <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's good to guess. And it's funny. Um, in, in one sentence, you made the people love you for saying I, Kim Wexler's gonna live. It's, <laughs> And then you and then you turned him completely the other way when you said Nacho's gonna die. <laughs> but someone has to live, someone has to die, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's all good. It's, it's all it's just fan theory. It's just I, a theory. I feel like if everybody lives, if every yeah, I feel like if everybody lives, then it it just wouldn't feel right. No, because you're going into Breaking Bad at this point, and you like, well, where are all of these? Where are all these people? And Breaking Bad, they was they weren't there, so we have to bring them to an end at some point, regardless of you know where we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what happened. This is the prequel, and we know what happened then. So, um, I think it's only fair. You know, they don't try to keep us around unless they're coming back with another season to Breaking Bad. Yeah, know? that's right. That's um, right. But uh, as far as Hamlin, as far as Hamlin, I would love to see more um, into his story and, you know, how it became Hamlin Hamlin, you know. Yeah, a tiny bit of backstory would be nice on that. And kind of raise that. Yeah, and then those stories of him and Kim running off together and, you know, all these different theories and stuff. But uh, I think... uh, Hamlin was another character that I feel he was always trying to do the right thing, but may have been on the wrong side. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, where we leave. Cause ultimately I feel like he was, uh, you know, a great guy, you know, yeah. he was my employer. He yeah. never treated me wrong. And, uh, you know, and I think he really has a soft spot for Jimmy. It just, it's just misconstrued. Um, and so, yeah, I think he wanted to do more, but the McGill and the Hamlin and Hamlin mm-hmm. wouldn't allow him to. Yeah. So I want, I want to see that. I, cause I, I like Patrick Fabian so much as a, as a person as well too, but I, I do like the character. Uh, Howard is not my favorite character on the show. He's certainly up there in, in the top, you know, five or more people of my favorites for sure. But I want to see that story arc. I want to see what's left to it. I think I think there's lots. Some characters. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. not gonna give any examples. But there are some characters where 
you don't necessarily need to know everything about them. If they went off quietly into the sunset, um, okay, that's cool. Um, but I think people like Howard, um, there's some there's some explaining that needs to be done a little bit. We just need a little bit more from him, and uh, whatever happens, happens. But uh, that's one of the nice things about fan theories. We just get to speculate, and uh, until we, they start filming, until we get the first episode, second episode, you know, we have to do whatever we can. And there's some real great sleuths out there, detectives that are trying to put all these little things together and figure things out. But uh, you know, we won't know for a while, so just have to speculate and have some fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, I love Patrick Fabian. He's another great guy. I've ran into him. I don't know how many times when I was living in uh la um and i would go places or randomly run into patrick sometimes in, in los angeles yeah <laughs> it's was, a small little town it was like what yeah in los angeles of of all places um and so yeah um he's a great guy i, I really like patrick yeah he's, he's cool he's awesome he is for sure you're cool patrick if you're watching this or ever see it <laughs> um uh, let me yeah. see. Karina says uh, he's great. Kim's also. I, I'm like I'm just going down the the list. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Please go ahead. You're going down your list. Oh yeah, I was just saying I was going down the list, and you know Patrick, and you know running into him, and then with uh, Ray. Uh, she actually, I don't know if it was season one or two, but she had took me out to dinner. Nice. Which was really nice of her. Um. She took me out to dinner, um, and we just talked about theater and stuff. And um, it was, it was. I was just like, "What? You know, she's taking me to dinner? What?" Yeah, I felt like the luckiest man on on earth. And then I found out that she had a guy, and so that went out the window. I'm just, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so nice of her to do that. Grace, she's she's great. She's she's wonderful. It's yeah. funny. She's she's been on the she show. Even bought, her and Bob got everybody. I don't. I think it was ice cream or lattes or something on set one time. They had the whole ice cream truck parked out front. We can go and get custom Whatever custard you... and stuff. And they would do nice things. You know, they always did stuff. And you know, I was grateful. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, you know, just enjoy it. You know, what was funny. Um... The last time Ray was here, she was here when I had Ray on before I started Gilliverse, way back when I was just doing it on my Rock Shop show. And then when Tom started the show with me, we had Ray on. This is probably about a month ago. And to go to show you what kind of, you know, I, I don't have to tell you this because you know how nice of a person she is. But, you know, we started talking off the air before we went on the air, before the show started, just like you and I were doing tonight. And we started talking about injuries from like 70s furniture, you know, like running around your parents' house and cutting your knee on a coffee table or falling down the stairs and like how things, toys and things were not safe back when we were kids. And we started talking about that stuff. We could have done the whole 60 minutes, not even talked about Better Call Saul whatsoever. I lost your camera there. I got you back. Good. Um, We could have talked the whole 60 minutes about 70s furniture being unsafe, you know, and she would have enjoyed doing that. That's just, just goes to show you that she doesn't always want to talk about, you know, what she does. She's uh, so many stories that she can just talk about on a whim. A really great person for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Uh, Here is a question from Karina. She says, do you think Ernie is the nicest character on Better Call Saul? Uh, And she says, I tend to think so. I think he'd be right up there. I can't think anybody nicer. Yeah, I'm trying to think of... uh, Oh, well, um, as the fans dubbed it, uh, 
Bronesto. Bronesto. Our Ernest Bro. <laughs> uh, Brone- so Omar. Yeah. Omar was the other one. Yeah. You know, um, he was the other one. I'll, I'll think, still take uh, Ernie. I'll still take Ernie over Omar as far as, uh, you know. really nice. Yeah. For sure. Well, th- here's something that I want. This is an important topic I'd like to talk about for a second here. We're doing great on time here. Uh, and this is just a question from myself. So re- reading some of your backstory and things of that nature, I read that, you know, as a as a young boy, childhood was not the easiest for you, you know, and um, you've kind of taken that and maybe kind of like where people would say, you can't do this, you're never going to be able to do this, that kind of stuff. And you channeled that and you basically turned it around and showed everyone, especially yourself, that you anything is possible. Can you take us a little bit through your childhood and, and what made you focus so hard to become a success? Uh, well, I grew up, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because mm-hmm. the whole red is there. Um, it was mainly primarily my mom. I lived with my grandma for, you know, a little bit of time with my aunts, kind of moved around a lot. Um, school was not always my greatest, never my greatest, <laughs> ever. Um, and so when I got into high school, uh, upon going to high school, I joined into a gang, whatever. Um, and then I was skipping school all the time, truant, et cetera. Um, but acting was something that always interests me from sixth grade. You know, um, I just wanted to do performing arts. So I got into speech and debate in, in middle school, intermediate. And then I joined a gang and went to high school school skip and all that and um my middle school mm-hmm. who was also a speech teacher then um became the speech teacher at my high school and uh i joined the speech team and got involved in that doing not debate because most people were like oh you're a debater it was not a debater only did the acting events and um, um i did that went to nationals my first time flying going where you know traveling to boston places that i've been you know in the inner city life um and i was like wow you know every weekend i'm somewhere new i'm flying i'm doing you know and so that kind of segued into really just me you know and and acting you know in speech and debate because we had judges who always judging us every round we're being judged and I was like, oh, if I use that same motivation that I had then and I take that into the audition room where I have a casting director as the judge, you know, uh, rating my performance or whatever, then, you know, I know I can do this. And so um, I was going to Art Institute of Houston, left there, moved to Austin to do Friday Night Lights. It's just a football player in the background and then got upgraded. That's where I got my SAG eligibility. Then I got tired of being in the background or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And, you know, everybody else was like, you'll grow out of, you know, acting. You'll get tired of it, et cetera. And I'm like, no, this is what I love to do. It's the only thing I know how to do. Um, moved to New Mexico to go to film school, Santa Fe University of Art and Design, which is now defunct and no longer exists and has lost all accreditation. So all of my time there was wasted. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, but not the relationships. Of course. Um, and 
And then I, as soon as I got here, you know, my friend, my best friend, where I'm in his garage right now filming, um, he was like, "You, we should go before we moved here. He was like, we should go to college here. And he was like, you should, you know, they film a lot of stuff in New Mexico and, you know, you'll be an advantage, you know, as an African-American, you know, there's not a huge population, so it'll be easier for you to book roles, et cetera. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. So we moved here, went to film school, got an agent right away as soon as I got here and and uh, started booking. And I was like, OK, great. And, you know, everybody, you know, who was in the past was like, oh, you couldn't do this, including my speech coach. She once said that, you know, he's like, I feel sorry for you because your life is going to be really hard because I didn't want to go to like Tulane University with a speech, you know, a scholarship speech or whatever and all of that it just never was my strong suit i i from middle from elementary on I, it was just hard for me to ever do homework it was, i dreaded doing homework and understand it i'm at home and i gotta do work yeah. like <laughs> well, i don't want to do this you know and so education wasn't it for me and performing was everything so did all of that and then uh got to la and you know, L.A. was hard, did a commercial, and that was about all I did in that time uh, and being in L.A. and then flying back here to um, shoot season three and four. Um, and then I lost all of my representation because, you know, people didn't like me being a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, so my manager dropped me, my agent dropped me, my lawyer dropped me, and it's been hard trying to find quality representation since. For being a Christian. So I thought about, huh? For being yeah. a Christian. For being outspoken. My lawyer, my manager told me there are certain Jews who run Hollywood, and if you want a career, then you need to put your faith stuff in the closet and keep it hidden. Wow. And I told him I couldn't do that. And so they all dropped me. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is the end of my career. And so that's why I was like, who knows when I'll act again in the mm -hmm. beginning for folks who was like, what's he talking about? That's why, and that's kind of why I've just been focusing more behind the scenes and just enjoying my time with my family. You know, I went to California and, you know, trying to make things happen there. And after all of that exploded, I couldn't justify being away from my son. I'm a six-year-old and, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do that anymore. So... You know. Well, good, good for you though for standing up for what you believe in, and uh, I, I'm a, I'm a dad as well too. My boy is much older; he's 14. But I, I imagine if you're anything like me, uh, very, very close to you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he loves his mom more, but you know. Oh yeah, mama's boy. For oh, okay. All right. Well, there's nothing wrong with the mama's boy. I'm a mama's boy as well too. My mom was very influential in my life. You know, I wouldn't be doing half the things I do now if it wasn't for her. You know, my dad was always busy working and providing, and my mom was there encouraging. You know, like to play the guitar and do this and that kind of stuff. So, I, I would imagine though. I mean, you look very, very young for your age. I don't even know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask you, but you do look very young. I imagine there's probably some times where uh, you and your boy are out, and they, let's say you go to the comic book shop or something of that nature and they're like they probably think your young brother is probably your little is that your little brother do you ever get that no no because <laughs> my my son's mom my fiance yeah um she looks younger than i do okay and when like when he was little people were looking at me as if i was a pedophile because oh, <laughs> she looked like she was like 14 or something and 
I'm like, uh, she's older than me. Yeah, I can show you identification. But, if you like to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but no. And I don't mind giving my age. I'm 30. You know. Okay. I finally hit that milestone of being in the 30s club, so I'm I'm excited. Good. I'm well, ready you, for the next chapter, you so. look great for your age for sure. I'm turning 52 this this month, as a matter of fact. And what? Yeah. You don't look 52. Thank you. I'm going to do a Walter White or a Mr. Lambert and put the 25. bacon. Okay, well now you're lying. I can, tell when you're, I can tell when you're lying. Well, how about we go 38? Dyslexic. Okay, how about we, we'll, we'll go in the middle, 38. I'll, I'll give you 38. How's that sound? That sounds a little bit somewhat. You know, I actually was going to say closer to like late 30s. All right. What else? Okay, we'll go with that. Once I shaved off the mustache, I don't know if you saw me, but it's growing back now, but I shaved, I looked much older with the mustache, I think, and the verdict's still out on that, uh, whether we're going to do that back. But, you know, I just want to give you credit and applause uh, uh for for conviction being strong for in your beliefs and um you know in hollywood i can see that you know like you know uh, you want to work again keep your mouth shut you didn't you know and you stood up for what you believe in so i i greatly admire you for that and i think that's a good a good role model for your boy too yeah i've lately been watching uh the crown oh i love it i'm and- season three I feel like um, I feel like Charles right now because that's where we're at with Charles now, you know, an adult mm-hmm. and you know being outspoken like his uncle and the queen telling him no one wants to hear you, just not, be quiet. Not even her. Know? Not even family. And and that's how it feels. You know, that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, was be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. You know, or when, you know, you'll see it, you know, there's people, you know, actors out there who try to make statements and people are like, why are you talking about politics? Aren't you an actor? Just stick to acting. Like, yeah. You don't need to talk. You know, the more you talk, the less I like you. So stop, you know, just focus on acting and the character that I like you as because we don't care about. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like, okay, we you appreciate the fact that they like you as an actor for the different roles, but at the same time, that's just a role. You are the real person. You're a human uh, being that has beliefs. And I think sometimes if we don't speak our mind, I mean, there's there there is a difference between speaking your mind and and preaching all the time. And there's a fine line in between. But I am, you know, if if you don't speak some of these things that are on your mind, sometimes I feel like people can self-implode. I really feel like you can self-implode if you don't get some things off your chest and, you know, maybe it's just lightly, but I agree with you hundred percent with, uh, with the crown. I'm, I'm at season three, episode eight or nine right now. And I'm loving that show to death. I usually watch about yes. three episodes a night, like well, or three or four well into the evening. And after the show tonight, I'm going to watch another couple episodes. I, um, yep. I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. You know, it's funny. I, I don't, I don't mean to get off on a tangent here for a second, but I mean, since you brought up the crown, um, I, I, it was weird because when you go for the first two seasons, you've got a different, um, uh, queen and, and uh, prince, right? Um, you've got two different actors playing them and I really enjoyed the first half, yeah. but going into the second half now, uh, Olivia Coleman, I really enjoyed her in, uh, was it Broadchurch? Did, have you seen that show? Okay. There's Broadchurch. I haven't. And then they, they did, that was a, a British uh, project, project. It was kind of like a, a cop whodunit kind of thing. And um, and they brought an American version over, and Anna Gunn played the role that Olivia, Olivia Coleman's playing um, oh. over in, in in North America. So it's kind of neat. So they just basically, they, it's almost like The Office in The Office. You know how they adapted them for American audience and the UK mm-hmm. audience? Same thing with that show. So Grace Point and Broadchurch or vice versa. 
But uh, yeah, good shows for sure. Um, here's a question from the chat. This is from Thomas Wayne. Uh, here again, just more like theories, right? Or, or, or hypothesizing. It says, do you think Ernie would go along with a Saul scheme if uh, Saul tried to bring him in on one? So if it's, you know, Saul says, Ernie, look, this, no one's going to get hurt. Uh, that might be a deciding factor as well, too. Uh, got weird. This is a, a, a no, no one's going to lose on this one. Win, win, win. Would he go in on it with them? You know, I think Ernie would go in with him. And I say that because when you think about it, Chuck was already hurt and at the hospital. And yet Ernesto came, you know, and said, hey, I called him. I did it. I called him, you know, and Jimmy's like, why did you do that? He's like, you know, I see the way Chuck's been treating you, whatever. And you're my friend. And so I think, you know, through it all, Ernesto, you know, cherishes his friendships. Like he can put work, but he can also, I think his friendships come before work. Right. He'll risk that, you know, like he's like, oh, if I wasn't, you know, buried in all of this paperwork, I would say we can go grab a beer, but you know how it is, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, I think he would definitely, you know, go along with whatever Jimmy had planned for him you know just based off of you know the relationship and the scenes that we've shot um i think he would i think he would yeah i can can see a real connection too with jimmy and ernie i think i think you know jimmy if you look at him he really doesn't have a lot of true friends you know and that could be what makes him what he is as well too but I, i think it's just unspoken but i think he really looks up to to ernie as a friend not necessarily looks up to him but looks yeah. to him as a friend i really do yeah yeah for sure and that's cool friends friends are very important and there's i made a comment on my notes as well too i know we talked about this already but this was a question earlier on twitter from uh, blazy gardener she was saying if ernie misses the mail room so i know we've talked about that but i just want to make sure i mentioned that for her as well too um there was another great comment here as well and i'll come back to it in a second uh so a question too we ask um guests all the time this when they go in to do auditions for roles many many times obviously there's they're they're thrown for a loop especially if they're trying to keep spoilers away and stuff like that so you go in and you audition for a role and it's uh you, it might be it might be milk truck driver or you know a copy machine repair person or something and then mean then the next thing is you it's a big role you never know just to keep you under the radar but um, probably the diehard fans will know this, but I didn't even know until recently. You had actually auditioned for for roles in Breaking Bad before, too, right? I auditioned for roles in Breaking Bad before. I think the first, um, well, the biggest audition I remember was for Tyrus. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got the call back, and I went in the room, and Vince was in the room. And we did it, and he was like, great, great. And then they were like, you look a little young, you know? And I was like, oh, shoot. And so I didn't get that part because I was too young. And then uh, John Carlo did a, uh, a workshop in Albuquerque. It was, my 20, it was literally the day of my 21st birthday, June 10th. Um, and he did a workshop. And I attended his workshop and I told him that I auditioned for T, uh, Tyrus. And he was like, oh, yeah. And what did they tell you? And he was like, oh, I was too young. He's like, that's right. You mm-hmm. would have been too young for that part, you know. And so I've done that. Uh, auditioned for that. One of the uh, employees in Los Pollos Hermanos, uh, Boiling Chicken. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, yeah, I've gone in for a couple of, and, and once it closed, when the episode, you know, the season finished, I was like, well, I guess I won't be part of the greatest universe, yeah. you know, it's like, that's it for me. And then I got the call to audition for Better Call Saul. And it was just one line, you know, it was, it was one line and that was it, you know, it was a one and done, you know, uh, and in the mailroom cutting cake yeah, and, uh, and that was supposed to be it. And they brought me back again and then he brought me back again and it was great. But my audition, same glasses, I've been wearing these glasses probably since I moved to New Mexico in 2010. Um, when I auditioned, they were like, oh, we have to have those those glasses. So I think I didn't book the part. The glasses oh, got me on. the job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it was it was great because um, I got to work with Colin Buxey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a director for that episode. And... Uh, I was, it's just, I've just been able to work with legends in the game and, you know, it's like, what, what on this one show, I get to work with all these great people. Yeah. You know, one word turning into 11 episodes. Can you believe that? I think that's one right. I think it's 11, 11 episodes. I'm pretty sure. That's 11 ins- episodes. Insane. What was the one line? Was it cheers or what was the one, what was the one word? The one, what was the line? The, yeah. Because uh, you cut the cake, right? Was it cut during the cutting the cake? Yeah. Do you remember? All I remember is... Uh, one of the fans know. It's okay. I don't mean to put you on the spot. You just remember... Because uh, Bert says, you remember us when you're all... You know, you're big and famous. He's like, I don't remember you now, Bert. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> um, and then I was like, yeah, you show those upstairs jack hoes, you know. Yeah. And then that's when Hamlin comes and taps on the door. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Better get out of here. Yeah. That was a part- you represent in the mail room. So you go up there and you show those jack hoes how it really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Sorry. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, we're getting some more comments. A lot of people loving as well. Warren Royal says, love John and Ernie. Um, and Jennifer says, I hope we somehow see Ernie in season six. Uh, for sure. I mean, everyone who is a part of this show, I uh, would love to be, uh, you know, featured one more time. You know, of course we're going to see the regulars. I know. Sure. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, be, it's it, funny. Cause I remember asking, uh, I remember asking, uh, Peter, uh, if, Ernie was dead, you know, is my character dead? You know, that dreaded question. Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, but do you want him to be? I was like, oh, no, no, I don't. No. But if, if I do have to die, you know, let it be something uh, like spectacular. My car, I blow up inside of my car or something, you mm-hmm. know. I stall on the, the highway, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. But let it be something great, you know. Maybe because I think a lot of people like that car more. It, it, it was actually fun. That car, I'm surprised people haven't asked about it. But it's it's. Well, maybe maybe uh, maybe someone puts it. Maybe the cartel puts a bomb in Ernie's car as opposed to Nacho's car by mistake. They get the cars mixed up and the street address mm-hmm. wrong, and Ernie goes up in a ball of uh, flames. 
That'd be a way to go. That would be a way to go. Yeah, and it'll make the Nacho fans happy because he gets to live and Ernie does not. So there you go. Yep. I know there's people right now, when that word, when, when the word comes up that Nacho may be killed, I don't even want to deal with it. I, I have some of the some of our regular viewers here. They love they love Michael Mando so much that um, I don't even like to field those questions. <laughs> I love Michael Mando, man. He's such a great guy. I actually got off the phone with him. Um, I want to say it was last week, week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with him, and he was just you know giving me some encouragement and whatnot. See my post that I posted about me you know, for a short period of time being homeless, living in my car mm-hmm. uh, in California. And uh, so he was like, I just, I'm just doing a wellness check, man, and check on you and see how you're doing. And, you know, and I was just telling him everything. I'm thinking about, you know, I don't want to know if I want to act anymore at all this type of stuff. And he's like, no, man, you have to, you have to, you know, because you're great. And you just got to do it. You know, I know it's hard. You know, it's hard for everybody, man, you know. Um but he's 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 always you know spiritually grounded and you know and you know just really fully puts himself into it you know which is why everybody loves him so much yeah you know it and his shows. character because he really puts his all into it. like I've been you know on set where I may be able to you know see a scene and whatnot that he's in I'm just just blown away because he he really does put his all his soul into his work he does. You know. it, it's funny, it, you know, when someone sends you a text message or an email, anything digital, you cannot, you can never really um, feel what the person's saying. Like, you know, Sandra, my my wife, she'll she'll text me and she'll say, "Yeah, thanks." And is it like, "Yeah, thanks," or is it "Thanks," right? You don't know the inflection and the, mm-hmm. the, the you know what they mean by that. But I've since right. we had Michael on the show back, uh, I think it was the second or third episode of Gilliverse, and I've talked to him many times since about planning another follow up uh, return. And his emails are short when he emails, but at the same time, what he says in the emails, they, you you just feel the positive energy. And it's really weird reading an email and getting positive energy from it. But it is. It's just the type of person he is. Always very caring, always wants to know how you're doing, you know, and how your family is and how things are around you. And then then he'll talk business. So no wonder people love yeah. him so much. But I'm glad he did that. I'm glad yeah. he reached out to you and made sure everything was good. And I can see that he why he encouraged you to to channel that because all the experiences that you've gone through, you know, from losing the agents and the and the management and and lawyers and things of that nature, and you know, being temporarily without a home and things of that nature too. It's made it's really will shape you over your life. And acting, you can channel that for a rainy day and call back on that when you need it. You know, you're on a scene sometime and you need to cry right on the spot. Well, some of those things that you've just talked about can really bring some emotion. Well, I'll tell you the hardest role that I ever did since you said that and crying because, uh, well, I won't say hardest because uh, there's two that was really hard for me. The short film that we just dropped that just landed in two film festivals recently Um and then uh, the film Shot Caller okay. with uh, Rick Romanwa, who does the Angel Has Fallen series, you know, of films. Um, I play a character that gets raped. And I originally rejected the role and was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, no, absolutely not. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get raped on screen. Like, just, mm-hmm. no. And then I went in and uh, met with the director. And he's like, look, I just... You know, it's not so much about the rape, it's more about the emotion is what I want to, you know, channel. And uh, because once you marked 
inside. There, there's nothing you can do, you know? And so I had to put me out of it mm-hmm. and I had to think about the people who actually, you know, went through this type of stuff, you know, uh, have been raped or, you know, a victim of domestic abuse in a relationship with someone, you know, and I had to use that. And it was probably one of the most emotional roles. Like I had people bringing me tissue in between scenes, like everything oh. was quiet. You know, Rick was coming up. I just, can we just do it like one more time, like one more time. And then I got props from Jamie Lannister. And oh. that just was, that was it, you know. Uh, Cause I shared that scene with him and to get, you know, Nicolaj to compliment me. I was, I was, that was, it, it's in my book for sure. Yeah. That's a bucket that's list in my moment. book along with better call Saul. So good for you, man. And, 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 and taking that role on, on, uh, you know, on a chance, you know, was a, you're against it at first, but I mean, you probably learned a lot about that, you know, mentally, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard, you know? Uh, because you'll get a role or you'll get an audition and you'll read the script and, you know, and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this. You know, I don't know if I want to do this. And they say you can never play a role if you judge it. And I, I, I believe that's true. And I had to step aside and walk away from it in order to come back with fresh eyes and say, you know what, I, this story has to be told. And I don't care if I'm just screaming and hollering, you know, it's to shed light on the truth. And that's what I stand for is shedding light on the truth. So I stepped back and I let the character step forward. And, you know, and I think that's what, what makes good, good work. You know, you can't play the queen, you know, if you're judging the queen, Oh, she's a terror, you know, (laughs) you know, Bob Odenkirk is not thinking of Saul as the worst character ever, you know, he has to, you know, approach that character with respect because ultimately he's stepping into those shoes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Very well said. Very well said. Well, yeah. uh, you you know, you're a good role model for people. I, I think there's a lot of things that you've done and you shared with us tonight that are inspiring for people. Um, you know, really, I really mean that. I think you're an inspiration. Maybe as we close here in a few moments, um, maybe you got some some young some young uh, boy or girl that wants to get into uh, into acting. And you know, you talked earlier about your education, how education wasn't necessarily the right thing for you. Um, whether or not you'd recommend that to the the next person, I don't know. You can answer that in a second. But what would you recommend for a youngster? You know, shooting for the stars, wants to be uh, on TV or in film. A little bit of advice you could share for both educational and setting the goals for stage or, or you know, TV, whatever. Um, every person when I was young who I asked advice told me, don't, you don't want to do that, you know, or do theater or, you know, it doesn't pay anything. Uh, and one guy told me, uh, are you sure this is what you want? Because it's a lonely road and, you know, a lot of times you'll find yourself without friends, et cetera, et cetera. But this is what I say, because I, I listened to all of the, the people's advice, you know, and I went against it. And I think that's where I, why I was able to get where I am today is because Sometimes your best friends, your family, the people in your closest circle 
they mean well and they mean the best for you, but they may not have the best advice. And I remember I was talking to a guy. He was a homeless guy. And he said, I used to be a millionaire. I was a millionaire and I had all of this stuff and I just gave it all up. And he's like, so I'm telling you, don't let anybody tell you what you can do if they've never been there. So if you want a million dollars and everybody's saying you can't get a million dollars, where are you going to get a million dollars? And they've never had a million dollars. Then those are the wrong people to get advice from. So I say shoot for the stars, shoot past the stars, forget the stars, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, keep your head up, stay grounded, stay humble and put in the work. I think, you know, for, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Something has to happen. You know, they say 10,000 hours, you know, uh, Meisner says, what, 24 years or something along those lines to mastery. You know, just master your craft. You know, one of my acting coaches used to say, bloom where you blossom. Nice. You know, and, if, and so if that's in the middle of the desert, wherever you are, like I started in community theater. I went from community theater to, you know, getting an agent and going on auditions and then, you know, while training. So I, I, when I say school, school in a traditional sense, a brick and mortar building, I never stopped acting, you know, training as an actor, you know, taking classes, you know, with teachers, you know, even now I'm still looking, you know, to train with people, you know, who has been in, you know, the industry and know the ins and outs and, you know, nuances to performances that make them better, you know, because you're always growing, you know, they say that which cease to uh, grow, cease to exist, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, just continue to grow, no matter what it is, no matter how hard it gets. Um, And uh, yeah, Uh, that's great advice. Jonathan, Jonathan Banks told me, and it just, it, I don't know if it was just this conversation just now, because it just hit me. I remember um, we were at the airport. I seen him at the airport. And he said, look, don't ever give up. He's like, don't ever give up, no matter how hard, how long it takes. He's like, look, I'm an old man. And it, it it's pretty much just now taken off for me. Exactly. You know, that just shows you. You know, how, you know, much, you know, time it takes, but as long as you stick with it, it will happen. You know, if you build it, they will, it, you know, they will come. Yeah. That is the phrase. That's that right. is the field of dreams, you know. So just stick with it. Yeah. You know, I always say I'm going to quit, but deep down in my heart, I know it's the only thing I know how to do it. So. I think we all do that. I, I think we all do that. I've done that with guitar a million times, you know, and that's that's my love. I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was a teenager. I've said that a million times I'm going to quit. I've talked about quitting doing these shows. I'm not going to ever quit doing these shows. I'm not going to quit playing guitar. I love it. You know, but dude, we have our bad yeah. days. We have our bad days. We need bad days. I mean, if we didn't have bad days, we how are we going to appreciate those real good ones, right? We need, yeah. some, we need some bad days. I mean, I don't want to go to the extreme, but I mean, we need we need some negativity and some pull. We need that, you know, that reaction, yeah. action and reaction, like you're saying, right? We need that. Yeah. Well, listen, as we wrap well, up- Well, we here, got a whole year. This- I know, I know. 
I know on that. Yeah. Lots of fantastic comments as we're wrapping up the chat. Everyone's loving you. Uh, everyone's uh, just great advice for sharing and good things like that as well, too. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Lisa says, I could see him as a young Samuel L. Jackson and having a wonderful future and career ahead of, for himself. And that's, that's Aww, you know, Samuel, you. Samuel Jackson is like um, Jonathan Banks in a way, too. Obviously not as old, but, um, you know, relatively close. And the, the amount of work that they've both done, you know, and, and as, as Jonathan said, he's, he's been in a million things. He didn't say this, but he has been in a million things. And as he told you, he's just taking off now, like, you know, with these, with this, these shows, you know, and we all think he's been this massive success. He's, he is successful, but it, it takes time. It does take time for sure. Um, here, as we wrap up and I'm going to put you on the spot on this and you don't have to do it. Uh, Lisa Love is saying, can you ask him if he can sing one line from total eclipse of the heart? Uh, <laughs> see, I I like to like warm up. Like if I know I'm gonna be mm-hmm. singing something, like I I like in the bathroom for like thirty minutes. Yep, getting the like voice I'm and stretched in the throat. Trying to yeah, warmed up and stuff. Uh, you can say no. We you can say no. Once upon a time, I was falling in love, but now I'm only falling apart. Nothing I can do. Total eclipse of the heart. I'm not going to go into the full song. <laughs> That's uh, perfect. Up, but. <laughs> what a way to end the show. There you go. There you go, Lisa. That's for you. Listen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Tom told me you're going to be lots of fun. I knew you would for sure. The fans love you in the chat here as well, too. And it feels like a Friday. We usually do these shows on Friday. We're still doing one on Friday as well, too. We've got Michael Slovis on the show Friday night. Yeah. But it, but you made it feel like Friday night tonight. I, I mean, you made hump day, as they call it, Wednesday. <laughs> you know, middle of the day, let's get us over this hump of the week. You made it really fun tonight. I want to thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I just want to shout out to the salty dogs out there because they was like, can you make sure you say, you know, hello, Donna Kay, all of you guys. Say you know, Ed. You're welcome to say you hi know. to anybody else. Anybody else you want to give some uh, shout outs to? Yes. Tom, hello. I'm here. I know you guys are in the writer's room. Just don't forget about me. Ed, no, Tom's mom, if you're still watching, she, watch, she used to watch all the time. I'm not sure if she still does, but if she is, Tom's mom, hey. Tom's mom, hello. You raised uh, an extraordinary gentleman. I have to say that. Um, <laughs> Peter Gould, if you're there, hello. Uh, Vince, I've, I've seen you on here, so hello. Um, all the cast, everybody. You nice. know, I don't want to go through names because somebody's going to feel left out. That's like, right. What? How dare he not say my name? So, you know, the whole Breaking Bad, El Camino, Bitter Call Saul family, hello. Awesome. And good night. I'll say hello to Peter's yeah. coming back. Uh, Peter Gould's coming back December 18th. So I think I oh. think he's my last Friday of the year, I think. I got to double check the dates on that. But yeah, he's coming back. So I'll say hi for you for sure as well, too. Okay. Awesome. Well, just yeah, also, I love Peter. I'll take a moment here as well, too. Say a few thank yous as well, too. And I always have to look because I, I, I feel like I'm going to forget somebody as well, too. So obviously a big, big thank you to you for coming on the show and adding me as a friend on Facebook, which is nice as well. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, uh, thank you to our channel moderators. Uh, we're so helpful in the chat. We really appreciate you, the channel members, our Patreon supporters, our channel moderators, as I mentioned, YouTube subscribers, our super chatters, our PayPal donators, and those that buy our merch over at broadstash.com. We've got lots of cool Gilliver stuff over there. And I got to grow that mustache back, or I can't be calling my store broadstash.com anymore. So got to <laughs> do that for sure. And tomorrow morning, sometime, or at least throughout the day, uh, check all your favorite places for podcasts. But I've got, I'm behind a little bit. I've got an interview with Katie Cole from the other night. 
uh, on Saturday, I've got the Mankata brothers, uh, Danny and, and Lewis, and then we'll have this interview tonight up on all the podcast networks as well, too. So check those out and take them on the go with you. And uh, John Christian, don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone come and see us Friday night. Michael Slovis is here talking all those behind the scenes things that we uh, love and uh, adore. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. And until next time, cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 